0: Hello, and welcome to Have a Nice Idea, a podcast about ideas and the people who have them for a living. I'm Andy Askren, and if you're half the geek for this stuff that I am, settle in, my creative friends. This is going to be good. Our chat today is with Jelly Helm, creative director at Studio Jelly. Hear how he got into the business, what keeps him in it, and why work has to be three things, interesting, relevant, and true, to actually be the one thing we want it all to be good. That said, away we go. Enjoy. Well, hello, Jelly. Good to finally meet you in person, and thanks for coming here today. You're welcome. And I should tell you that, just for the record, this is the only the second time that I've ever done this. So if it appears at all like I don't know what I'm doing, there's
1: probably some good reason for that. Well, it's the first time I've ever done it, so you're twice as experienced awesome. as me. So
0: We're off to a good start. <laughs> so, Jelly, uh, what's the short bio of Mr. Jelly Helm and who you are, what you're up to?
1: Well, I don't do bios very well, I have to say. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it depends on who my audience is. Um, my name's David Helm, and Jelly is what people call me yes. in this profession. That was one of my questions. Where did that come from? Um, that came from a nickname that started before I got into the advertising world that just stuck once I, I went to ad school. Mm-hmm. And once people heard that nickname, it kind of stuck. And then from then on, it was, that was the name. But David is what my real name is. Okay. Let's say you wanted to hear bio, you want to hear professional bio. Sure. I studied um, graphic design and fine arts at the University of Louisville. Louisville is how people from Louisville say Louisville. It's
0: the proper way yes. to say it. Yes, okay, good.
1: And, um, and I got out with a degree into graphic design, and it was a really thin degree. It was a, a, a state school that didn't have a really super developed program at the time. And I had a pretty thin portfolio but a lot of passion. And I got a job working at the Science Museum, kind of like OMSI in Louisville. It's called Science Center now. It was called Museum of History and Science. And I worked as a graphic designer in their basement doing signage for exhibits and uh, postcards that went out <laughs> to members. And I loved it. I just loved it. I loved, uh, I loved everything to do with design and with type And I was just really enthusiastic about it. Um, But I wanted to do something more. I started looking like in in print magazine, and they would have designer, and then they would also have this other title, art director. And I thought, what does an art director do? That sounds like might be even more fun than being a designer. And um, I asked my professor from college, and he set me up with an interview with a creative director in an ad agency in Louisville, Kentucky, hmm. called Doe Anderson. And Doe Anderson was my highest aspiration at the time. They were doing really elegant work. It didn't look like, they would be like the equivalent of an agency like, uh, these are all dated references, but like the Martin Agency. Um, just a classic, mm-hmm. just really thoughtful work. Right, just clean, was, st-
0: standing out just from.
1: Yeah, well executed, really intelligent, um, the work that they were really well known for was makers mark and they did these beautiful makers mark billboards that look like art on the landscape and um, so that was my highest aspiration was to work there as an art director mm-hmm. and so i got set up with an interview with a creative director i think his name was i can't remember his name right now i don't want to guess wrong because i might be miss remembering the wrong person but mm-hmm. anyway my uh... This is not interesting for somebody who's listening to this podcast. They're thinking, yeah, this is like getting stuck on a bus with somebody telling you a story. (laughs) And they just go on and on and on. I don't think so. I think they're. This is self selecting. This is what's happening here. (laughs) Exactly. Okay. That's what's happening. For the three people who are interested in how this guy broke. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
0: let me just tell you.
1: Let let me me just. I have a a friend who used to say, uh, (laughs) would interrupt and just say, fast forward. <laughs> so you're welcome to just say fast forward at any time. We can I do that. Ta- I won't take a Did you a hear that, ladies and gentlemen? I'll, I'll, I won't. I won't it's take it person personally at all. Just skip forward a little bit. So the, my my facu- the guy the guy who was a faculty member who uh, made made this connection. I said I said how do you be an art director? He said well you get a job you know like an entry level job at an ad agency and you work your way up. I said I don't want to work my way up. I just want to be an art director. which was something only a 20-something-year-old person would say. Sounds
0: familiar, yes, yeah.
1: And he kind of smiled to himself and said, why don't you tell the creative director that you're meeting that you just want to be an art director and see what he says. Mm -hmm. And I think he was setting me up to get, you know, my wrist slapped. And instead, what this guy told me is, oh, then you need to go to Portfolio Center, which was the only school of its kind at the time. And now there's quite a few schools that train people how to get into all sorts of different creative businesses but it was kinda unique trade school really for uh, aspiring art directors and writers in Atlanta Mm -hmm. and so I went and I think it was 89 or 88 when I went and I just poured everything into it I loved it I loved uh, this idea of creating something that would you know that would do what those Doe Anderson makers mark billboards did to me which was I felt like they were making those just personally for me. Like when I saw that billboard, I felt like I got it and they wanted me to get it. And so it was like a relationship with, with somebody you're creating something for. Yeah, I really loved that work.
0: Nice. Hearing how people get into the business, like um, what kind of inspired them at the beginning and yeah. you know, hearing how it affected you and then like how it, that kind of even transported you like all the way through. Um, Portfolio Center.
1: I worked so hard at Portfolio Center. It was an eight-quarter program, and I think I finished in four quarters, and uh, with a fifth quarter to finish my portfolio, mm-hmm. I worked so hard, and um, I was so uh, sincere in my work. Mm-hmm. I was. Uh, it was the first time that I really found something that I really wanted, and uh, and it came from a really deep place. Didn't even feel like I was working hard. Yeah. But I worked so hard. I worked harder than anybody else at that school for sure and um, I was broke and um, one of the reasons I worked hard is because I didn't have enough money to get through school and I knew the only way I could make it through is to get a uh, scholarship so uh, there was a little bit of a gun behind me and there's also a little bit you know love that was driving me and not wanting to fail all of that and you know when all the things combine it's a pretty good recipe for uh, making it. And then I got a, a job out of Portfolio Center at the Martin Agency. Not and that. and the Martin Agency was just an incredible place. Yeah. It was just a really incredible place. When I got out of uh, Portfolio Center, this is like really, this is the kind of stuff, there's a guy who works with me, Alex Harris, who I make listen to all my stories. And, um, and it, he pretends to be interested, which is nice. <laughs> And this is like one of the stories that I would tell him. But, mm-hmm. So when I got out of Portfolio Center, it um, uh, used to be there was only one way to find out who was doing good work. And you know what that way was, right? Mm-hmm. The ad annuals. Yeah, I was going to say like
0: communication art CA, ad, one show. Archive,
1: yeah. CA and one show to me were kind of the top. And then there was New York Art Director's Annual. But for, for, during that period, one show and CA were it. And so as I was graduating, I just knew I wanted to be on the best team I could be on. I would rather be the lowest man on the best team. Because whenever whenever I'd been on a great team before, it was just the greatest feeling. In high school, I was in a theater department that was just the greatest theater department in, in, in Louisville, Kentucky. And then I worked at a place called Actors Theater of Louisville, which is a great place. And there's something about being with people who are winners mm-hmm. and who demand the best from everyone, not just the everyone. And I was a house manager at the theater, so it's not like it was but just everybody carried this attitude that your work was important and that your personal work was important and so i just wanted to be on a great team and so i went through the annuals and picked without looking at who did the work i just put a post it note on every single piece that that i thought just was excellent and I went through about five or six different years of one show in CA. And then I went back and found out who did them, wrote them all down, and see which ones ro- ro- uh, rose to the top. And it was seven different agencies. And I hit them, all seven of them, really hard with a lot of self-promotion to get a job. Mm-hmm. And I got, a, I think, five of the seven asked for my portfolio. And three of them offered jobs. Mm-hmm. And I was about to take a job at one of them. And I was not happy about it because I went and interviewed and I didn't get a very good vibe at all. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember the creative director, after we had met everybody, and they said, we're going to offer you a job. And I was supposed to be excited. But I just had a bad feeling about that place. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting at a bar afterwards. And I said, well, so we haven't talked about salary. What would I get paid? And um, he wrote a number on a piece of paper and slid it oh, across, no across from me <laughs> and turned it around, you know, to that slide and turn. Uh-huh. And it said 13,000. Uh-huh. And um, I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be able to survive on that. I've got student loans. I've got to get it. I, I can't, like, I'm going to lose money on this job. <laughs> I'm going to fund my first job. And I felt so bad because I knew it was a great place and mm-hmm. they had a great reputation. And I said, I don't know if I can make that work. He said, oh, you'll make it work. It'll be okay. And um, I think he might have scratched it out and wrote 13.5 or yeah, something just, like just that. Just yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, but I was going to take it. And um, I got a call from the Martin agency. And they said, we don't have a job, but we like your portfolio, and we'd love to just meet you. And I went there, and they said, we don't hire juniors, mm-hmm. um, and we don't have a job. We don't even have an office. And um, I just fell in love with that place. I mean, it was just the greatest place in the world. It's still a very special place. The Martin Mm -hmm. Agency is very special. A lot of special people work there. Mm -hmm. And people have worked there for 40 years. It's nuts. It's crazy. And um, I just, I was kind of heartbroken. I was about ready to take that job, about ready to call Mm him. And Jerry Torsha from the Martin Agency called me up, and he said, hey, listen, we don't have a job, but we're going to give you one anyway. And he said, We don't have an office, so you're gonna have to sit in my office with me. So I shared an office with the creative director. Oh my god. And it was just great. It was I get this is I'm such a nerd, but I get goosebumps thinking about it because that was like that was a gift. It was totally a gift.
0: Total blessing.
1: That was fun because I took that same passion from school and took it straight to Martin. I was so grateful to have that job. And so my my bosses at the time were Jerry. I was sat in the office with Jerry Torsha who was so tough and so hard and a master of print and a master of TV. Mm-hmm. And I just kept my mouth shut. And he got in at 8.30 in the morning and I just always made sure I got in before him so he wouldn't know how early I got in and I always stayed later than him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't take any personal phone calls and I sat, I had a drawing table literally in the corner of his office, like stuck into the corner. That's interesting. And I told people not to call me mm-hmm. um, and just worked hard and tried to learn things. and. They'd never seen somebody that excited about it. And it was genuine. I was just mm-hmm. really excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, first thing I worked on was a print ad for a life insurance company. I think it was called Life of Virginia. And um, back in the days when you'd take six months to work on a print ad. Oh, uh, right. I know. <laughs> I, do re- I do remember you know? those days. you brief it out. And Can maybe, you imagine that now? Maybe though? even fly to the client to right. discuss the ad. Yes. The ad. Yes. The, the ad. ad. <laughs> then go back and think about it and present your work and do layouts and do a photo shoot and all that. So that was probably the first 6 months, but I I uh, was yeah, working hard. Loved the work. I just loved this work so much. Loved working for Jerry, loved working for Mike Hughes. Mike Mike wow. was, you know, beautiful guy. Yeah. Harry Jacobs, another boss, beautiful guy. Just just gentleman. Jerry not exactly a gentleman. I wouldn't call him a gentleman, but he was <laughs> He he was a gentleman in his own way, for sure. He was a little salty. Uh, Mike and Harry, just old-fashioned kind of gentlemen. Completely, did, my, very some different. Of my heroes, but yeah, some great some great people. So,
0: how long were you there? Um, just two years. And can you describe or, or like what, what? were some? I mean, uh, you know, sitting in the corner in Jerry's office. And so, like what other things did you learn? So we
1: were we. The office was in a place called. Um, the Shenandoah building. It was the former Shenandoah apartment building. It was on Monument Avenue. It was right next to a giant statue of Robert E. Lee. The first day I took a job, the first day I got there, there was a Civil War parade. <laughs> so they're still still fighting the Civil War in Richmond. Mm-hmm.
0: The War of Northern Aggression. And,
1: and you, Exactly, exactly. You look out the window and there's Robert E. Lee. Mm. And, um, and the apartment building was built, I think, in 1905 or something like that. So probably Civil War veterans were you know, living there. And it had been turned over to be- become this ad agency. The- all the floors were carpeted. Um, we were on, I think, three floors, and there was another building across the street. All the creatives were in one building. And all the offices were apartments, former apartments. And you could smoke in your office. So s- several of the art directors were smoking in there. <laughs> yeah. And it was a long hallway that ran up and down each floor. Mm -hmm. And the second floor was where most of the creative offices were. And the way it worked was, when you worked on a project, you would take the, you would print it out and put it on the hallway. And so when you walked up and down the hallway, you'd see what everybody was working on to give feedback. So you'd walk down and you'd look at it. There'd be a Bank One ad and Bob Maher would be inside. And you'd say, hey, Bob, I like the one with the baby or whatever. (laughs) The atmosphere was just right. For true collaboration, it was really wonderful, and um, and I had a drawing table, and and we didn't have computers, and when it was time to write headlines, I would do it on a typewriter. So it was that long ago, yeah. and you might remember that. I don't uh, know I do, you're yes. younger than me, I think, though.
0: I, I don't. I think Maybe. we're about. I think we're about even. But, okay. uh, yeah. But okay. I definitely remember those days. For yes. Sure.
1: So it was really. It was really wonderful. Yeah. It was really wonderful, cool. and all the clients were. You know, I was really excited about everything I worked on. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice. My partner was a guy named Raymond McKinney, who's still there oh, at, yeah, at the yeah. Martin Agency. Yeah. He's been there ever since. He's never left. God. Yeah. And he was wonderful. And we That's did a cool. lot of, it was also real fashionable back then to do a lot of, uh, uh, you know, stuff to just do extra work on the side, to mm-hmm. moonlight, mm-hmm. just for the sake of trying to do good work.
0: Yeah, you and your partner get yeah. together and do stuff. Yeah, and so we totally. did a lot
1: of that stuff, too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And Richmond was fun. It was really weird, and then you, I grew to love it up at the time. I say I was there for two years. I came back a couple of times. Okay. So I've only worked for two different ad agencies. I worked for Martin Agency and Wyden, and that's it. And so I've gone back and forth between both of those places a couple of times.
0: Oh, got it. Okay.
1: So Bob. So of course I knew about you're. You know, you're always like watching what other agencies are doing. Yeah. And I, the one place that was that I I couldn't quite get my head around. I mean Fallon was great, but Fallon was great in the same way that Fallon just did Martin in a slightly smarter, yeah, yeah cleaner yeah. way. Right, right.
0: good, so good way to describe so it. So
1: Fallon Fallon I could get my head around. Mm-hmm. There was this agency out west called Wyden and Kennedy that I could not get my head around <laughs> because they were it seemed like they were just doing whatever they wanted to do. It seemed like they were ignoring everyone else. They weren't doing the whole, "I'm going to find a clever line, and then I'm going to find a beautiful typeface, and yeah. then I'm going to find an elegant way to lay it out." They were just doing something that I couldn't quite get my head around. And TV, same thing. At that point, TV, I would say from Doyle Dane Burnback time up until up and through Martin, were basically print ads come to life. They were like a clever line, and then so a lot of the ads would be 25 seconds of setup and then a clever line at the end, and then yeah, the logo. Clear, uh, yeah. And I could kind of get my head around that. And then I was seeing these ads from Widened Kennedy. I remember the first one that really blew me away was the Instant Karma commercial. And of course, Revolution and the Beatles, that, that one was uh, cool too. But Instant Karma really blew me away, because that had that, I don't know if you remember, but that had that type that Tibor Kallman did for them.
0: Yes, yeah, totally. Yeah.
1: And. It had these shots that were so, like, who would put a basketball player sitting on top of the basketball uh, hoop? Because mm-hmm. that's what he was doing. He was mm-hmm. sitting on top of it, and little kids and stuff. And it was all these shots. I couldn't even, I couldn't get my head around it. I just knew that I just felt something watching those things. And I, I somehow got a reel of Wyden and Kennedy commercials, and they just, it just blew my mind. Um, I remember Dan Wyden later said something about TV being an emotional medium I mean that's the goal of TV it's not to make any sort of rational or logical argument it's right. it, you can create feeling and they were doing that and um, anyway this old art director named Bob Shira he was one of the guys who smoked in his office he was I don't know how old he was 70 or something like that 80 and he had a cut his own hair, he had a bowl haircut, <laughs> and uh, really thick rose-colored tinted glasses and a mm. big mustache that was stained brown from his nicotine, and he wore cut-off shorts that were too short, that were like r- r- way too revealing, <laughs> and, and he would smoke these mm. giant Moore cigarettes, you know, those brown, long oh Moore yeah. cigarettes in his office, <laughs> Hilarious. Um, and he had a great voice, hey, baby, hey, how's it going, baby? And um, I went into his office once and I noticed he had an invitation to judge the Rosies in Portland. I said, Bob, you got invited to judge the Rosies? You are so lucky. He said, You know who's out there? And I knew, yeah. you know, Borders was doing stuff mm-hmm. out here and mm-hmm. Colin Weber and there were a lot of places. Yeah. This was like 1990 or something yeah, like early that. 90s, yeah. And he said, Well, I can't even do it. And I said, I'll do it. He said, I'll give him your name. Well, at the time, I'd been in the business for about a year. Yeah. But I had gotten some stuff in some award show books. Mm-hmm. So they didn't yes. really know that I had only been in it for a year. They just looked up my name and found my name and he's some le- books. He's legit. He's legit. Yeah. Long story short, I got to come out to Portland. That's and that was the first my first trip west. Mm-hmm. And they were judging the show at Widen & Kennedy. Hmm. And John Russell, do you know John? John, and I can't remember who else was running the show, you know, the liaison for the Rosies. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know, really, that he worked at Why Did Kennedy, but he, he, he was there. Mm-hmm. And they were showing all this work, and... Some years Wyden doesn't enter a lot in local shows, and some years they do. They entered everything that year, and it was just an incredible year. It was like all the Barkley stuff, all the Agassiz stuff, Barkley on Broadway, Instant Karma was in there. There's a bunch of stuff that was in there, and it was all awesome. Everything was awesome. And so I said, gold, 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 to everything. And they said, you can't give gold to everything. You have to give something silver, and you can only give a few golds. I said, but this is all, everything's awesome. How can you not give it all gold? <laughs> and the other judges were not, Happy about that? Didn't they thought that was uh, anyway? John Russell's paying attention. They said, "Who is this kid? This guy is a total freak for Widening Kennedy. We got to find out who he is." <laughs> so he calls Wyden's headhunter, says, "Jellyhelm, get his portfolio out here." Mm-hmm. So I get a call about two weeks after the thing. It says, "Can you send your portfolio?" out? And I said, "Long story short, um, I didn't have a portfolio. I mean, I had like a student portfolio. I had a few things." Wow. And the dirty sto- story behind it was sh- Widen was one of those seven agencies that I targeted. There we go. I had sent them my student portfolio, yeah. and they hated it. They sent it back to me with no comments. Um, Evelyn Monroe uh, was a speaker at Portfolio Center after I'd done that. And I said, hey, how come I'd never heard from you guys? She said, well, we loved all your self-promotion stuff, but we hated your portfolio. We thought it was really boring, mm-hmm. and it crushed me. So... Now Linda was asking for my portfolio, for my dream place that had become my dream place. And I knew they hated me. But they didn't remember (laughs) hating me. They only remembered that I liked them at the award show. So I was stuck. And so I just begged her off. I said, no, I'm not going to send you my portfolio. I'm really happy at the Martin Agency right now.
0: Good strategy.
1: Well, my strategy was, I didn't know what to do. and So I just thought, let's just keep working and maybe one day I'll go back to Martin. I said, I'll tell you what, one day I would like you to remember me because I'd like to submit my portfolio again. She said, that sounds good. That was it. Didn't hear from her for a couple months, I went back to work. Um, Got a call from her again and said, listen, we want to see your portfolio. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm just, I'm really happy right now. I really don't need to leave right now. I'm just perfectly set, thank you. And I hung up, sweat, immediately sweating. (laughs) Well, th- then they started getting really interested. Who is this kid? <laughs> Keeps blowing us off. Keeps blowing us off. <laughs> and I got a phone call, and it was Linda again. And Linda said, listen, Dan Wyden. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Dan Wyden says, you do not have a choice. He's going to be in New York, and you were flying up there to meet him. And that's it. You don't have to take a job with us. He just wants to meet you. So I... Um, this was, I think I had like three days, and I just did my best to pull the portfolio together. And it was a lot of freelance stuff. It was a lot of, I mean, I just I just tried to replace anything that he had seen before. Because mm-hmm. that was less than two years. Mm-hmm. And I went up to the Paramount Hotel, and I was, I couldn't believe somebody was like paying to fly me to meet them, and it was Dan Wyden.
0: Yeah. Were you freaking out a little bit here, Oh, or? I
1: was freaking out all the way. Yeah all the way. I was fully freaking out. And I was in the lobby of the Paramount Hotel. Mm -hmm. And I went up to his room, and I don't know if you remember the Paramount Hotel, Mm -hmm. but they're tiny. It's about as big as this table. And I sat on the bed with him, on his bed, with my portfolio, Mm -hmm. and we just talked. And he never opened my portfolio. And he said, he never opened it. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, listen, I know you're happy and, and Martin, but just come out and, and, and meet us in Portland. Just come out. I'd like you to meet my people. You know, just, I said, well, I'm thinking, yeah, that sounds awesome. And I said, sure, sure, that sounds great. And um, to, long story, just a little bit shorter. Okay. Later I heard from Dan, he said, never meet someone before you see their portfolio. Because oh. <laughs> you can fall for them. And their yeah, work yeah. won't live up to it. Yeah. And I always thought I was probably that guy he was talking about <laughs> because I, he hired me and never, never, never looked at my work. Yeah. Never looked at my work, if you can believe that. Now when I went to, went to his office, other people looked at my work. Yeah. I don't think they liked it. But yeah. at that point, Dan wanted to hire me. So that's how that's it was. And I, I, I wasn't at a high enough level yeah. to work there. The first assignments that I have, I remember just flailing.
0: So All right, so you, so you did eventually su- I t- submit to Dan. I,
1: I, 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 sub- I took the job. I was thrilled to take that job. I'd, I'd never been farther west than Kentucky, and um, I went out to Portland, and it changed my life for sure. And I didn't know what I was doing as a young art director. And there were only nine art directors at Wyden and Kennedy at that point. I think I was the ninth art director. Mm-hmm. And John Boiler was the next youngest. And all the, oh, the other art directors are like, it's, it was John Boiler... Larry Fry, Warren Eakins, Michael Preve, Charlotte Moore, uh, Daryl McDonald, just an incredible group. And they were all really um, fresh and brave. And I was hard-working and disciplined. I was not fresh and brave. And so when I got my first assignment, I didn't quite know what to do. It's like they opened the door of the prison and I was scared to walk out of it in some ways. And um, they didn't want somebody who could set nice type. Mm-hmm. And that's all I knew how to do was set nice type. Mm-hmm. So it was scary scary times yeah. for sure.
0: So how did you, what was it? You, you turned a corner somewhere.
1: I turned a corner when um, I, f- I flailed for a long time. Mm-hmm. I leaned on my partners really heavily. Um, I leaned on the people around me heavily. But art direction, I really flailed at. I just didn't know how to, it's like, you know, the phrase dance like no one's watching. I didn't know how to dance like no one's watching. I used to be a dance instructor. I used to teach ballroom dancing. And that's almost a perfect metaphor. It's like I could do something when you gave me the steps, but if somebody said, just freestyle it, I would not know what to do. get paralyzed. And so what happened was that I was really, I was working on a project for Nike Volleyball and I just freestyled it for the first time. I just, just totally, I just was brave for the first time. And I realized oh, being brave is actually, it's the decision to, to be brave is the hardest part about it, mm-hmm. is choosing to like take a risk. But once you take the risk, it's easier. Like risks are easier once you get over the hump. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway... Blah blah.
0: So you, you mentioned that you went back and forth between yes. Wyden and Martin a couple of times or a few yeah. times or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know, what was there anything, you know, uh, along that journey back and forth, you know, where you like kept
1: building on what you know, the, maybe the courage or yes. whatever? Um, I went from Wyden in Portland to Wyden in Amsterdam. Oh, okay. And when I went to Amsterdam, I think I learned how to be an art director in Portland. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to Amsterdam, I became a creative director. Okay. And then, um, you know, just like I think anybody, you, you learn different skills and kind of add to and blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, I got involved in education in a big way. After Amsterdam, I came back to the Martin Agency and mm-hmm. took a, a unique job where I was half time at Martin and half time as uh, the founding faculty of a new school at Virginia Commonwealth University called Ad Center. It became Brand Center. Oh, okay, yeah. And so that was Jerry Torsha, who is my mm-hmm. old boss, was um, one of the creative the teachers guy. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kaz Katias, who's like kind of this legend copywriter teacher guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, Diane Cook Tench was the leader of it. She was a former creative director at the Martin Agency. Mm-hmm. And we started a school that was kind of unique because it didn't just train creative people like the Portfolio Center. It also trained account executive and media people and planners. And he put them together as teams and he gave them projects. So it was a real unique program and it was real successful. It was an interesting way to teach people to work in, in team and not just you do your art direction thing, but mm-hmm. complete teams. And um, so I did that for... Several years, and then I started a school at Widened Kennedy called 12. Do you know that school? Mm -hmm. And that school kind of built on what I learned at Ad Center, but also took different things from other programs that I admired. And its stated goal was to sort of codify the best practices at Widened Kennedy. Um, Mm Because we had the insight that people come into Widened Kennedy and they leave, and all this. Uh, institutional knowledge was leaving with people Mm -hmm. so maybe the school can be a way that we can codify it teach it Mm -hmm. so the the curriculum was built on what are the best practices at Wyden and Kennedy and the best practices were usually they had a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. and we built the school around those similarities which was small groups of people working very collaboratively bringing their own expertise, but willing to reach outside of their expertise. Mm -hmm. So writers who are willing to be an account executive and account executives who are willing to uh, make models or paint or whatever their skill was. So it was, you come in with one thing to offer, but you do more with it. Anyway, so education was a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. Taught at University of Oregon for a little while, for a year. And uh, teaching is just the it's it's great if you're into it Mm -hmm. being in a room full of people while they're figuring things out it's very addictive
0: yeah I bet that could be yeah well so obviously uh you know you've just described uh you know writing headlines on typewriters and 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 drafting tables and you you know meanwhile in 2015
1: you know it's awesome yeah. It's incredible.
0: right? Can you imagine, like,
1: what you've seen in all this time? It's, it's wonderful. Yeah, It's wonderful.
0: What's good work mean to you? I mean, it,
1: uh, it's um, a big,
0: very open statement. But what, what's some of the kind of work that, like, still inspires you, like, inspired you then in the beginning at yeah. Portfolio Center and
1: here we are today? You know, um, was it about pornography that they said, I know it when I see it? Is mm. that what the, you know, it's I one think of so, yeah. <laughs> right. um, I've, I've kind of always been on a note when I see it in a certain way when there's something that really speaks to me, you know, that gives you that feeling of like, ah, oh, it just gives you a great feeling of joy. You feel like there's just kind of an ah feeling when you see someone's created something that's just really beautiful. But I remember it at, when I was teaching at um, Ad Center, the students, you know, they would put all their work on the wall and you, I would creative direct it and say, that's working, that's not working. Mm-hmm. And they in the early days and I remember people like that too. It's like well, why do you like that and you not, don't like that? Exactly. Like, what's the difference? What's the difference? Yeah, how do you And so teach we tried that? to codify yeah. it. Okay. And we agreed that the three qualities that good work have were interesting, uh, relevant, and true. And there was no great work that wasn't all three of those things interesting relevant and true interesting I just you know I want to look at it it's it's attractive yeah. relevant it it matters it's not just um you know a, a kid running through here on fire is probably interesting in some sort of way I don't know if it's um uh what it's relevant to or what its relevance right. is true is the, true is the true is the 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 yeah. The Big Daddy, I think. True is the Big Daddy. Mm-hmm. You know, if I look at any created work beyond any in, outside of any industry, the truth is it. you know I think that's um, and what does true mean? There's like real simplistic truth, mm-hmm. but the deep truth, mm-hmm. you know it's true to our experience of being alive. Mm-hmm. It's true for the client. So that's it's true. To my own personal experience. Um, and so that's that's what I think good good work is. It's interesting and it's relevant and it's true. And, and now what makes something interesting? A lot of things make things interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's always tricky because its opposites can be interesting. Quiet is super interesting. Loud is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, complicated can be interesting. Mm-hmm. Real simple can be interesting. So that's that's kind of situational. And Relevant, it's always got to matter. I I know they always, um, I think it was a Dan Wyden thing. It's like, you know, what do you, the intersection between what you care about and what the client cares about? If they don't intersect, then it's not relevant. Where do you go
0: for inspiration these days? I mean, what continues to drive you
1: and search for things? Is it. Things only seem to be more interesting than they were to me. I mean, just the world is interesting. I mean, I don't know how to... um, I used to go to the bookstore um, because that was one place where there's like concentrated ideas. But it doesn't feel like you need to go to the bookstore anymore. It just feels like you can go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you pointed to that funky bike over there with the fat tires and the Mm -hmm. studs on it. You know, it's just everywhere. It's just the world is so rich. It only seems to get richer. So, um, yeah, and then I, ch- I also feel like, so that's the outside, and yeah. then inside, you know, where do you go inside? Mm-hmm. I just heard um, Will Shorts, mm-hmm. who's the editor of the North- Crossword, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and somebody asked him um, what his typical day is like, and he said, well, it depends, each day is different, and some mornings I'll just lay in bed trying to think of an idea for yeah. the NPR puzzle i do every sunday and why does he lay in bed i don't think it's about the bed i think it's because he's going somewhere deeper than his bed he's going inside somewhere Mm -hmm. and so i always feel like inside is the best source Mm -hmm. um what what are you up to now these days like so i have uh, a little company Mm -hmm. and i work with clients i'm doing the same work i've been doing for 30 years still loving it more than ever, and um, I think I identify with different things now for the joy. Mm-hmm. I remember it used to crush me, like if you'd win a, an award with a partner and it was their idea, yeah. you always felt a little dirty about it. <laughs> right. So, well, exactly. you wrote that line. So it was a lot, it was about like, mm. is that my idea? And did my idea get through? And being able to point to something as my idea, I, I have less of that. There's still some satisfaction in figuring something out. But I think my deepest satisfaction comes from my connection to my clients and my relationship with my clients and doing work that serves their growth. That's, that's, that's my deepest satisfaction, for sure. When I do a piece of work that I can see pleases them or unlocks something, mm-hmm. I'd say about half my work is strategy now and about half of it is stuff, mm-hmm. deliverables. Mm-hmm and the strategy stuff is so satisfying because helping someone get clear about who they are and what their purpose is in the world and how and how they express it um, gives them so much power um, helping people get clear about who they are that's i think that's the that's the greatest
0: yeah that's that's nicely said it's pretty amazing when you can when you see the uh Delight or the light, even in a client's eyes, when they finally realize that you've just unlocked something for
1: them that they've been trying to
0: say for years and years and years or whatever?
1: Yes. Sometimes people's greatest strengths, they don't see themselves. Mm -hmm. And so just telling somebody what you notice about them and affirming that what they love and want to do in the world is worthwhile. Is really powerful. So anyway, I love my work. Love my work. All I would say, core of it now, I think the the, uh, and Kennedy mantra was the work comes first, and I'm more of a work comes last kind of guy these days. That, I think first comes, me identifying, with what my client is trying to accomplish in the world. Because unless I can, unless I really want that client to succeed in the world, I. Or when I do want that client to succeed in the world, I bring a wholeheartedness to my work Mm -hmm. that can transcend almost anything. Mm -hmm. So for me, first is finding people who I really want, who I think are creating great value in the world, and who I want to help succeed. And then, then I think it's about figuring out how the relationship works. And then I think it's about figuring out a process that creates good work. And then the work kind of happens on its own. And I don't care um, anymore who does the work. Clients can do the work, and I'm fine with that. This morning, I was just finished. um, I I was late coming over here because we're doing a a piece of work for a client. And they didn't like the photos we picked. So they picked all their own photos. And I'm okay with that. you know, I don't have any, you know, problem with as long as the photos serve what they're trying to do, mm-hmm. um, and that's different than the way I used to feel.
0: I was going to say that's pretty interesting. I, 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 you know, I think as a creative person, you're creating this thing to to your exact specifications yes. and vision. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> I think that's pretty bold to say, you know, or to have reached that place where you can
1: be okay with a client. You know, okay, a lie. over some execution. A lie. There's a little bit of a lie there. The lie is... Cotton. Um, the lie is, um, I still have to say, I don't think this works as well as that, and let me tell you why. And then I can let go. Um, so it's not quite, okay, whatever you want. I think it does come down to a point of view, and there are different points of view. Could There's d- lots of different ways up the mountain. and. If he wants to take the back way where the rocks are all slippery, he's <laughs> welcome to. Um, yeah,
0: I've already told you what's what might happen.
1: Yes. On those slippery rocks. But I feel like, you know, that whole battle of ideas where you sit with a client and you say, "My idea, no, my idea, no, my idea, no, my idea." It's like uh, idea jousting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's exhausting, and I find that the only way I can have any influence is if I can get. The client to say, I don't know, Jelly, what do you think? And to get to that sentence takes an incredible amount of work. It takes, um, they have to believe that I'm not going to fight for what, fight for my idea, but that I'm actually, if you can kind of create the atmosphere that creates true engagement and curiosity versus um, idea arm wrestling, uh, that, then I think. I think you can get somewhere. I mean, I don't know. I've got a point of view. It's informed by my experience in this work. But I don't have keys to the knowledge bank, you know? Yeah. But when it starts, like, head to head, then I start feeling like, I've got keys to the knowledge bank. (laughs) How could you not ask me that? So I don't know what is the, the secret of entering in true engagement, how that transforms everybody at the table, mm-hmm. but it does. And so I feel like my work is best spent on developing the relationship, and that leads to something good. So that's why I say that about letting them decide, because if, if I can say, yeah, that's cool, you can pick your own photo, that my me giving that trust over, mm-hmm. may open a bigger door in the future. Well, awesome. thank you, Andy. You're welcome, yeah, thanks for, thanks for doing this. You're and welcome. Uh, Thank you, thank you very much for the invite. Cool.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Have a Nice Idea. If you liked it, share away. Find us on your favorite socials or email us at go at haveaniceidea.com. Meanwhile, we'll be working on more cool stories that you need to hear. I'm Andy Askren and I wanna thank Digital One for their assistance in making this recording possible. Check them out at digone.com. And that's it, now get out there and have a nice idea yourself. Cheers.